Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction's Patreon 123. I call... Now, I know you're not a huge fan of the show. Of awful neutral, but I know sure. you listen because you've stolen my introduction. The hello and welcome to awful neutral. I am your dungeon master, Damian Mercado. You stole that from me. As a comedian, it should hurt me that you're like claiming your theft of my original, like uh, a creative work is is my theft theft of your creative work. But honestly, what makes me angrier is your your assertion that I would listen to your fucking show. First of all, you know exactly. You know exactly. It's so much funnier. It's funny. Fuck you. Like I said before, you could be telling me how hilarious this child porn you watched was. I'm still not going to watch it. I have a moral problem with the subject of the actual media, so I'm therefore not going Mm. to participate. You see, okay, first off, to to go back to address your claims that I stole something from you, Mm -hmm. you stole this from Robin Williams and Mrs. Doubtfire. He stole it from me! He's a notorious joke thief and you know this. (laughs) You were hanging out at Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco in the 70s. No, no! Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot Mrs. Doubtfire was made in the 70s. I forgot that. I forgot that that was, that's when it came out. Yeah, nineteen seventy-two. Was it was in ninety-three in third grade? Was, were they in the Smokey shit. and the Bandit fucking Trans Am when they did it? Is that how you imagine things? You're a piece of shit. You know, I know you were you were in the same. You and I theoretically could have seen Mrs. Doubtfire in, th- in theaters together if our parents would have let us go to the movies. But we didn't because I was too pissed that Robin Williams had stolen my bit. <laughs> well, you were like that 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 child doing dirty jokes at a comedy club. Yeah. yeah so these bitches in middle school. <laughs> I was Michael Sarah before Michael Sarah was Michael Sarah. You were a much more awkward and less fuckable, Michael Sarah. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, welcome to Science Faction's Patreon. I call BS, where we read four science news articles. So much are real, so much are BS, steady for bad science. They could all be true, all be false, or any combination thereof in between. Damien, are you ready to play? For our fans who have not listened to, to or have not seen the Robin Williams classic, Mrs. Doubtfire, about a man who just wanted to see his kids and lie to a court. Yeah. Uh, go go listen to that. Hello. And 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 it'll all Bobby's claim, Bobby's copyright claim falls apart. Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. No, listen to it. And then if you feel bad about the guy who got shafted when his intellectual property was stolen, go ahead and donate more to our Patreon because clearly <laughs> I deserve it if you are enjoying Mrs. Doubtfire this many years later. You should jump onto Awful Neutral's Patreon because uh he but again. I guess, who do you want to believe? Bobby, the man who has spent years lying to me and all of you in, in I Call BS, or me, Damien, who has always been honest with you, has always been straight with you, has always been straight up, who's who's gotten the big-time guests like Alex Jones. To be fair, I mean, you have been honest in that you come every day letting the fans know you don't respect them enough to try. And we all know that from the start. So in, in that sense, you are 
very honest, I guess, in the in that sense. Uh, by the way, Damien, I, I almost I kind of regret doing this because it takes a lot of extra time when I have to do these type of shows. But uh-huh. I, I know you love it when we do this. And so I have made a theme on this particular episode. And <laughs> I'm going to see if you can figure out the theme. I've, do you remember? Have you remember some of our previous themes? We had a theme, a science faction themed episode. I think that one was my favorite. Where each of the answers had something to do with a science faction bit of trivia, we've had uh, uh, certain animal themes and stuff. So this will be a fun. This will be a fun themed one. Part of the the fun of the themed episodes is you got to try and figure out the theme as we're going. All right, so let's get right on to I call BS. I call. I call. I call. I call. I call. Ring ring. I call BS. You know, like if you live in hell. Like and like every day, the demon, the 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 arch devil who comes and like rips your skin off, yeah. uh, you know, it gets pretty routine. But then there's some days where the arch devil's like whistling on his way to work, like, man, yeah. I really put in some thought into some torture today. Yeah, man, we're, you and I are gonna, you and I gotta, I got a long day of surprises. Like these are the days that that I, as your employee, uh, as the torturee, uh-huh. fear the most. And and your little preamble right now has me shitting my pants. Yeah, I think of it more like casual Fridays. Like I'm here with a with like a Hawaiian <laughs> shirt and you know like a fun attitude. I might go to a Bennigan's after work. You never know. <laughs> yeah, I see the rest of the 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 demons torturing their subjects are dressed very festively as well. <laughs> we have a company party afterwards. All right, article number one. Analysis of the remains of servants from Machu Picchu showed that every individual at the palace retreat was directly related to the emperor, a surprising fact that likely indicates only blood relatives could be trusted around the emperor when he was at the vacation palace away from his army and protective bodyguard troop. Damien, is this science or bad science? This is bad science. If you've read any uh, Jorge R.R. Martin uh, uh, you, you don't, that's, that's you, when you're a Royal and you allow other Royals in the room, you're inviting yourself to be Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. It's like a real succession thing going on. Yeah. You want all the other, all the rubes, they think you're a God. You want to surround yes. yourself with those folks. The old, but, but the, the, you know, just like in real life and whether you're in a, uh, a George R.R. R. Martin or a Jorge R.R. R. Martin <laughs> scenario, it doesn't matter what the cultural flavoring is. Your family members just know you as the asshole brother, sister, whatever. It's other yeah. people who might know you might be able to fool, but your family always knows your bullshit. In fact, they, they'll, they might resent and hate you for it way more than anybody else. Uh, dear Damien, this one is bad science. It was the opposite. It was actually found that the servants were from far-flung reaches of the Incan Empire. Uh, here's a quote. Many royals were served... Yeah, they served- brought in rubes. They brought in rural idiots. <laughs> here's a quote. Many royals were served by men known as Yanacona, who were not Incan. Rather, they were often taken from conquered lands and presented as gifts to the emperor. Women known as Akla were also removed from their homelands and given as wives to these male servants. Together, the Yanacana and Alaka ministered to the needs of the emperor and his guests as they engaged in feasting, singing, dancing, hunting, and carrying out important religious ceremonies. End quote. I think they're just trying to say slaves. I think I think they mean mm-hmm. they were slaves, but... But uh, we talked about a bunch about the Incan Empire before. I did a lot of my undergrad work on them. They did not conquer the same way as like the Mayans and stuff. So they were not expanding uh, and the Aztecs. They were not expanding via conquering nearly as much. They had much more of a corporate model, which I, I kind of envy. It made them the biggest empire in the world as fast as possible. Like they were so only, other they were tribes like would franchise. Years. 
Yeah, exactly <laughs> what it was. They, they, that was almost exactly what it was. And they gave you all these great crops they had, these potatoes and these corn. And they brought an Inca road to you and stuff and the administrative centers. And they, they didn't force you to do it by conquering. But if your neighbors joined and then you didn't and you got into a fight with your neighbors, then they'd come fuck you up with the biggest army on the continent. So, like, it was a great corporate model. But they also did conquer places in those type of scenarios. And they did take slaves. And so it looks like they were kind of uh, spread. They were these people who were spread from far out. Now, who knows? They might, because they're in this very symbolic place. For those of you guys who don't know, Machu Picchu was like a Incan vacation spot for the emperor. It was like a royal sandals resort, so to speak, like up in the mountains. And uh, it was it's it's amazing. Like I I've been there and seen some of the work and stuff. It's, it's sandals? absolutely yeah, stunning. it's great. Yes. Sandals is awesome. Like it's hard to beat. Like you know, it's it's an investment certainly, but you're a king. You're a king while you're there. Very, very interesting. And it, even more interesting, seemingly, the males and females seem to come from different parts of the empire. Like the males mostly came from the highland regions and the females came from like kind of very diverse spread out spots. So that might indicate they were taking the males because they were some kind of important sociopolitical unit. Like this was maybe the son of a local warlord or ruler or something. And much like in things like Game of Thrones, where you would send your enemies kids to go be educated by you so that they had some loyalties and some ties and stuff. Uh, maybe eventually marriage ties. Maybe that was going on. Whereas the women, they were like, "Hey, we're going to pick the prettiest ones to go send and work up by the emperor." You know, who knows what exactly was going on? But if sex was a lot more of like a continuum, you might have been like, "Hey, I need the sexiest, like most rural farm boy, like yeah. just the 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 most like oh shucks, I'm just the most athletic guy, and I'm just you know uh, just the most innocent rural farm boy." And then, yeah. of course, you want your hot women. I'm just saying, you know, there wasn't a lot of that Catholic. Uh, um, That's right. Uh, Catholic guilt about feeling gay. So you might have gotten just the hottest people in the kingdom from all or, around. Frankly, for based on like at least one documentary that I saw about a groove, uh, a llama. <laughs> like, it, it could be that you wanted the sexiest llamas that you could find. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got. I get the most. De- yeah. The- <laughs> the most putty like uh, servants throughout the kingdom. I get you. <laughs> I'd like this. I'd like the llamas with the deepest voices, please. Uh, by the way, if you haven't seen it in a while, uh, Emperor's New Groove still holds up. It's a kids movie that that uh, super well written. Watch it with your kids. It's uh, it's not crap. It's not trolls. Yeah, but then try and try and just like imagine the weight of cocaine that David Spade was on during most of the filming of that particular film. Yeah, and I'm even more jealous of David Spade. He's a short guy who gets tons of ass and all the cocaine. Like, because he's short, he'll outlive me. Yeah. No matter how much cocaine he does. And relative to an average pile of cocaine, he's, you know, it's much bigger for him because he's so small. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, like, is it like, you know, like, oh man, that, that, uh, that hundred pound dude just has one beer uh, yeah. and he's, and he's gone. It's awesome. David Spade's the same thing for cocaine. He's not, he can't go broke doing cocaine because he requires so little. I like to think of it uh, in what I call honey, I shrunk the kids math, which is like, you remember like how big a cookie was to them, you know? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Article number two, a new paper out suggests that addressing the three major risk factors of lower back pain, car accidents, poor posture, and old mattresses could reduce the burden of lower back pain by 39%. Naming is a science or bad science. This is bad science. Most like like I was trying to think of like a Mount like a funny Mount Rushmore of lower back pain, like uh, old football injuries. Uh huh. 
trying to impress people in your 20s, like an old injury from when you were drunk and trying to impress people like, oh, that's not how you jump off the high dive. This is how you jump off the high dive. But in reality, it's something much, I have to imagine sitting at a desk doing menial tasks is the worst thing you could do for your lower back. So super interesting, Damien. This one is bad science, and it's because those weren't the three major risk factors. And you did nail one of the three major risk factors, which is workplace ergonomic factors. Congratulations. That is quite impressive. Because I have had a history of such shitty jobs and being unemployable in such shitty jobs, yeah. uh, I have never had the luxury of lower back pain. As a working man, I have upper back pain, which comes from lifting and breaking your back. Lower back pain comes from sitting in data entry. Uh, yeah, and I have just horrible back pain overall. It hurts, uh, hurts pretty much everywhere. I actually have to, oh, yeah, like, Or car accidents, which is literally where you got all of your back pain. <laughs> yeah, mine, mine is car accidents and being out of shape. That, that does a big one. In fact, the three major causes were, as we said, workplace ergonomic factors, obesity, which absolutely makes a big difference. I can tell you as somebody who's lost a de- I got out of shape uh, because of COVID injuries and stuff like that, not from COVID itself, but from injuries during COVID and all that kind of stuff. And I got way out of shape and I've recently gotten in much better shape. And my back is like so much better. Like every 10 pounds you lose, you feel so much better in your back because you're just compressing your discs and putting weight in awkward places. And like, oh, it makes such a big difference. Just cutting off a little bit of weight. But here's the interesting one. Damien, this is something you probably, I would not have guessed for sure. Can you guess the third biggest risk factor for lower back pain? Uh, driving? Driving jobs? Like drive, like long distance hauling? Like that trucker, would probably fit back? in like workplace ergonomic yeah. factors. Uh, CEOs who injure their lower back swinging, on a, swinging golf clubs on a course? Smoking. Huh. Cough. Is it yeah. coughing? Is it the coughing? No, no, no. It's uh, like one, there is going to be some, you know, is this causation correlation because people who smoke tend to also like have other type of lifestyle factors and stuff that might end up getting them to have more back pain because they might drink more. They might, uh, you know, not take care of themselves in other ways. They're less likely to be the ones doing yoga and more likely to be the ones like waking up in a wheelbarrow after a night of drinking, like, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. <laughs> But, though, the actual reason is because smoking tobacco actually, like, causes poor circulation in certain parts of the extremities. And one of the places it causes poor circulation is in really small blood vessels that supply blood to the spine and the surrounding areas. And so because of that, there are issues with the bone and the discs dying more quickly or being more susceptible to damage in people who smoke a lot. And again, I had never heard about this. And it's apparently one of the top three risk factors. Again, car accidents didn't make it on the thing that is the reason I've had a bad back my whole life. That didn't make it on the list but fucking smoking that's super interesting to me and to fans looking to figure out the lore of your host you know, bobby and damien just know that bobby's car accident happened because he was a bad driver like it it did he was at I fault was 12 years old i was in the back of a van <laughs> he was a terrible 12 year old driver <laughs> from the back he was doing a mr bean thing and we were hit by we were hit by a drunk driver on the freeway like eh, well, there was much i could have done yeah, well, you had a brake light out. You you could have, you had fixed it. I was 12. <laughs> uh, nothing but excuses from this piece of shit, everybody. 
So lower back pain is super common and it's more often reported in women than men, but that might actually be an artifact of access to and use of healthcare more than anything else. We're still not 100% sure on that. What I really wanted to cover this story about, one, I thought the smoking thing was super interesting. So I just wanted to be able to put that in there. And that's part of your theme, by the way, just so you know, if you're trying to trying to figure out what the theme is. But the other thing is because I, as I just mentioned, I have had a bad back almost my whole life, certainly since I was like 12 or 13 and in a very bad, one of many bad car accidents, which none of which I was driving for, one of, but one of many car accidents I found myself in. And I had a very, very bad back. And I had been throughout my life been prescribed opiates by so many fucking doctors. I thankfully never took them because I was always like, oh, I don't want this or this doesn't seem like I should be having this. I want to always reference this because you will, even though we have gotten better about that in recent years, you will still get prescribed opiates for chronic pain, especially chronic back pain by certain doctors. There has never been a single scientific study. And this is one of the reasons I just wanted to cover this story is to reiterate this to my listeners. There has never been a single scientific study that says that opiates are good for treating chronic pain especially not chronic back pain. That is over-prescription, getting people addicted to fucking heroin and ruining the lives of just average human beings who got hurt at work. It is ruining their fucking lives because when they run out of the prescription, then they get uh, non-prescribed pills. And when they can't afford the, the $100 a non-prescribed pill, they realize heroin's the exact same thing and they become heroin addicts. Uh, it is one of the easiest and most heartbreaking ways to become a drug addict. So do not, under any circumstances, take opiates for chronic pain. It's not what they're designed for. And it's got a huge likelihood of making you a, a, a long-term opiate addict. It's just, it's just crazy that we, we accept the uh, the wrongdoing of the Sackler family and other yes. parties. But but certainly, yes. but we, we accept it because it is it is literally like the epitome of the American dream. You condo, you got rich, hurt a bunch of people, a bunch of rubes, a bunch of country folk, and you just ride off into the sunset with no consequences. And it's way worse than most people think because most people think they just made a drug, OxyContin and a couple uh, and a couple other ones. It, most people just think that they made a drug that then that was spread out. No, no, no. They were actually able to change regulatory guidelines about the stuff that I am talking about, about not having studies that show they work for chronic pain and still got it to be able to be pushed so that doctors could prescribe it for chronic pain, even though it's never been scientifically shown to do it. There was, it's not just, oh man, they made something and who knew it was going to be this bad? It's more like, no, 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 they are Dr. Doom doing something purposely to destroy the earth. If, if you worked in my major, it was still at the time of like, uh, if you were really good at your major, like you could still get the only 100K jobs straight out of college anymore. Mm. And that was to be a pharmaceutical rep. So because I, I got yeah. my bachelor's in gerontology, a few of us like, hey, you want to go work for Sackler? You want to you want to just basically murder people for a living? Yeah, it's $100,000 a year straight out of college. Yeah, you want to slay heroin? Yeah, you know, white collar drug dealer. You absolutely. You, you, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, if you, the the absurdity of America laid bare right there. Yeah. <laughs> Article number three: New research suggests that the risk of breast, endometrial, or colon cancer can be lowered by thirty two percent with a minimum of forty five minutes of intense exercise per day. Damien, is this science or bad science? Uh, I'm gonna say that this is science. I, I I know like there's a ton of fit people who uh who who you know like Lance Armstrong lost a testicle. That was not the te you did not simply say uh, say testicular cancer, but sure. But I also know that like you know uh, uh, working out gets a lot of things out of your body, and that fat and adipose tissue is it can be cancerous. So if you just eliminate that, so I'm gonna say while there is a ton of anecdotal evidence that say like all the, the people who spent tons of like uh, tons of time. Uh, countless Malcolm Gladware, 10,000 hours, uh, yeah. you know, working on their body, being fit, but still like contracting horrible cancers and diseases. There is a ton of anecdotes, but it does. Uh, 
I'm gonna, this has to be bad science. If like when okay. when the most dangerous profession becomes like being a triathlete, cancer wise, when it's like uh, you well, do you either were in Chernobyl or you ran a couple triathlons in the eighties. Um, so I'm gonna have to say this is bad science. Oh dear, indeed, David, this was bad science. It was the factor of ten rule because you actually only need a minimum of four and a half minutes, which is fucking crazy. Huh? Hard exercise. Just define hard exercise. Like like oh, like. Uh, oh, I'm like about I'm- to. I'm about to because, uh, especially when you hear what qualified as intense, having a Kato a Kato guy jump out of the shadows and assault you for four minutes. <laughs> oh my god, David, it's so much better. So in order to do this, by the way, they use like basically Fitbits, wearable devices, and they went after twenty two thousand quote unquote non exercisers. Which I wish I could have seen like the Facebook ad they put out for that. Like, hey, hate doing shit. Hey, you fat fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they looked at the, they followed the group's clinical health records for close to seven years afterwards to monitor for cancer. Here's a quote from the article. As few as four to five minutes of vigorous intermittent, intermittent lifestyle physical activity or VILPA was associated with substantially lower cancer risk compared to those who undertook no VILPA. Again, these are huge numbers. And by the way, I'm going to get into it. And they're even more impressive. And it's for four and a half minutes. Again, wait till you hear what these activities are. So these activities include things like vigorous housework, which mm, I've never been like, like unless the vigorous housework is like, Hey, hun, uh, can you put away the groceries I just brought in? And also, I've locked an intruder in the basement, and I need you to grapple for your life with him. Vacuum sprints, where like you're doing, <laughs> where like you have to like push a vacuum, but like do it at like like at a, at a, at a five five second forty time. <laughs> here's a here's a second one: carrying heavy shopping around the grocery store, which. I feel like I've been doing that since six to impress the ladies at the grocery store. Oh, what? These jugs of milk, mom? Oh. Yeah, I I would do that all the time, too, because like uh, as the same kid who was always like I wanted to be good at football, the same reason that I justified never using my locker in high school was that like if I carried all of my books in my backpack, it was like a gym. For lats. I was improving my leg strength. So yeah, I, I would as a dumb. My my wife regularly thinks I'm trying to impress her. It's like no, I've been trying to impress people since I was a teenager. You're just a per, part of you're you're not special. You're a part of that. I'm carrying my the dog food on my shoulder. Oh <laughs> uh, dear, bursts of power walking or playing high energy games with the kids. Now the high energy games with the kids, I totally understand because I invent a lot of games with my kids. Uh, and yes, they will tire you the hell out. I'll, their favorite right now is one called Robot Knife Hands. I will give you. I guess about the two qualities that the antagonist of this game has. Your son has had a lot of stitches from this game. <laughs> I mean, I just pretend the hands are knives. <laughs> Not that into it. Well, he's going to graduate to real knife hands at some point. I understand he's he's a kid. I've never heard the term vigorous housework. For some reason, that one really sticks out with me. Like, there's somebody just like mopping, but like mopping like he's fucking trying to peel the skin off an ex-girlfriend who cheated on him, you know? Just like, <laughs> oh, you bitch! <sighs> you, when Lauren watches me clean and everything, because I'm always like, I, like, I, like I grew up with, like, I'm always imagining a coach or a drill sergeant behind me sure. grading me and, like, like, for either speed or quality. And so, like, I do break, I, I think I am the type of housework, like, if I'm cleaning counters, I'm, like, trying buzzing, I'm trying to go real fast, I'm, I'm vacuuming, like, like, I'm always... 
I could see that. I could see myself doing as a practitioner of vigorous a housework. Practitioner of vigorous health, vigorous housework. Well, yes. good. You have lowered your chance. By the way, you lowered. Uh, they found impact of VILPA on overall cancer incidence, meaning it downgraded your chance of cancer overall 18% and 32% for certain ones that were associated with exercise. And that was that could be in the liver, kidney, lung, gastric. Cardia, endometria, myeloma, colorectal, head and neck cancers, bladder cancer, breast cancer, esophageal cancer, uh, melanoma, and myeloid leukemia. So, like, man, four and a half minutes, not exactly like a huge ask, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. if you're like, hey, you can knock your cancer risk of uh, overall down by like 18% and, uh, you know, over these special ones by like 32% for Four and a half minutes a day. And I feel like if at that point you're like, no, I'm not going to do it. Then you really have earned the title non-exerciser. Like you, you are, Mm -hmm. you have owned the label that they gave you on that Facebook post seven years ago. Uh, We talked about depression today on on Awful Neutral and, uh, you know, talk about, you know, the the acronym GRAPES, you know, for getting out of depression and one of them. Is that where you pretend that you're watching the old episode of I Love Lucy where they are stomping grapes to make wine? (laughs) Yeah, there's also a conveyor belt for some reason because we're mixing our references <laughs> and we can't keep up with the depression. Uh, I, I just want to say that if you if uh, if you are you know um, uh, if you are depressed out there, just because that's been my theme for today, uh, go uh, uh, do do some housework. Don't even have to worry about doing it vigorously. Although if you want to avoid some cancer, please do it vigorously. But if you're looking to lose some weight, Bobby and I have have both you know over COVID. Uh, uh, made a recently in the, in the last couple months made a commitment to kind of getting our bodies right again. Yeah. After a long uh, non maintenance period. Helps that back. And uh, yeah, and, and and I don't know what Bobby's path is, but the, what, something almost anybody in America can do. I can't speak for outside, but uh, get a membership at the YMCA. It's better than any gym membership because it's super cheap. It meets you. It's not profit unless like you have a job where you need to work at mid uh, work out at midnight. Then get a Y membership and do the elliptical. Yeah. The elliptical machine, I don't care if you're 700 pounds, like it's super low impact on your joints. Yeah. You, really good resistance. Yeah. Great resistance. It's it's the perfect, it, the elliptical workout, whether you're in great shape or you're in really shitty shape trying to get better. My advice to you, do the elliptical, do it for 20 minutes at, at, to start at whatever pace you can, even if it's just walking and, and, and just make that a habit, do that three times a week. And you'll notice in, and at least in three months, you will start to be you're like, Oh shit, this guy fucks. Plus think about it. Or, you or know, slight... gym memberships is one of those things that like take out costs from other places. Because if you go to the gym and you stay healthier, then you maybe can go to work more often, uh, than you otherwise were if you were unhealthy. So you, you kind of like save the money there by spending it in the gym memberships, the investment in yourself. You could afford more types of clothing cause you're not overweight. Uh, you can cut off your uh, homeless guy shower hand job memberships that are eating up because it's going to be free at the Y. Like that's I just that's part of the membership dues. Yeah, but I I actually enjoyed supporting the poor homeless guy economy uh, by paying for the, I didn't mind paying for the hand jobs. <laughs> by the way, if there was a, a charity based on uh, homeless like give, like homeless guys giving hand jobs, I don't know why the charity would be based about this, but about homeless guys giving hand jobs, the fundraiser would just be like a really writes itself comedy experience. <laughs> hey, uh, can I uh, get a couple tickets to that fundraiser? Man, <laughs> it's the most popular fundraiser of the year. People fight to get tickets. It's like Comic Con. You have to like register into a pool. People fight, and not just the homeless guys. <laughs> <laughs>
dear article number four. The oldest known horseback riding saddle has been discovered in Turkey, and the two and a half millennium old saddle was buried in the grave of a man to help him with one last ride into the afterlife. Damien, is this science or bad science? David, I guess I should ask, before you even say this, have you noticed the theme yet? Because it's somewhat, you haven't brought up any of the aspects of the theme, and I'm curious. If- no, I, I've I've been trying, okay, so, so, so you've had smoking causes cancer. Uh-huh. But that wasn't necessarily what I was referencing, but yes, that study. We had the Machu Picchu guys, mm. we had the uh, the risk factors of the, the cancer, and we had the working out five and a, four and a half minutes a day uh, can, can take down cancer. So, yeah. Have you noticed the theme? No, I haven't. Okay. And, uh, and I think if I haven't, that's a failure of the test giver. Maybe. Or the failure of the test taker, which is, seems more likely. No, no, that that's, doesn't seem possible. Yeah. All right. I'm a victim. I'm a victim in all this. <laughs> How dare you? I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to go home to my family, and I need to defeat the, the Saw doll in order to do it through science trivia. So uh, as somebody who has recently rediscovered the old Turkish farmer within him... <laughs> That's true. Uh, has, I read has, that about I, you. I went on my ayahuasca journey, and I, I, I talked to the gave you sage the, advice. The old Turkish farmer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say this is bad science. They were they were bareback in that horse. They uh, the he, uh, saddles saddles were considered a lady's uh, uh, riding device. Uh, <laughs> according, try that in this small town. <laughs> They don't like your big city saddles, horse saddles. Oh, dear. Damien, this one is bad science. I got 100% and I need to end the walkout right now. <laughs> Zoom <laughs> over. Hold on, hold on. I do want to comment, Damien. You did get all of these answers right. I'm very proud of you. Not only did you get all of them right, I would like to call everybody's attention to the fact that on one of them, number two, he not only got it right, he got it right because he picked out what was wrong, which was the three major risk factors, and named one of the risk factors on point. So let's just give Damien all of his due credit on these. Got all four questions I right. I am a scientist. Got one right in what I would call Dr. Troy fashion. And Dr. Troy fashion is where you not only get it right, you point out what is wrong and what the actual right answer is. So that's he got, got one of these answers, Dr. Troy, right. The best I've ever seen Damien do. Unfortunately, as you guys heard, he was yep. not able to get the theme, which is a necessary part of winning a themed quiz show game. Much like in Jeopardy, you have to be able to name the category before you can even pick the question. You have to say, I will take this category for this amount of... It's listed! Else. It's fucking listed! Yes, you're, right. The fucking- you're right! You're right, it is. But you do agree that that's part of the rules, right? You have to name the category. <laughs> the category the and the theme are two different yes. things. So, you're, you're, that's apples and oranges, you piece of shit! You're a monster, Bobby. You're a monster. So great try. Uh, next time, try a little harder. But the theme to all of these was Damien gets all of science factions. I call BS wrong. So, so the theme. So the theme. That I, you know what? I when, when I when I saw you coming to work today wearing your Hawaiian shirt, Mister Demon Lord, sir. I, I knew I was in for some You pain. were so close. And I was rooting for you. As always, I was really hoping you would get that theme. I was trying to give you hints the whole time. But you know what? Next time. Next time, just try a little harder. Keep working at it. Head nose to the grindstone. I got 100%. Yeah, like a C+. Plus. I got 100%. You got like a C+. Plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways. Uh, Remove that asterisk. 
So this one is bad science. They did find the oldest saddle ever, which was 24 to 2700 year old grave buried with its rider. But it wasn't in Turkey. It was actually in China, which is interesting because as we've talked about many times, you know, horses domesticated closer, not quite Turkey, but closer to that Caspian steppe area and then brought into other places. But that was, you know, a couple thousand years before this. So by this time, 2400, 2700 years, uh, they had spread to this area of Western China, Northwestern China, still part of those kind of broad Asian steppe plains. So these were horse people as well. And also the rider was not a man that the they had sent, it, uh, sent off to his last ride. It was actually the grave of a woman sent off on her last ride into the afterlife. So this is known as a Yang Hai Cemetery, and it, the we believe the, the grave dates back to between 727 and 396 BC. They've looked at more than 530 tombs in this area, and they've found everything from whips to bridles and other stuff associated with horseback riding, so it's not some surprise that these people were riding horses. It's just that saddles don't always preserve super well. We know that bef- uh, certainly before this, there was a lot of horseback riding that didn't involve saddles, and we actually know that, interestingly, from like the art and also some of the bone deformations on the animals and people that are more indicative of bareback riding and in this case it looks like the saddle was developed and they were using it now remember we know that the stirrups don't exist yet those don't come around until like 1100 AD one of the weird inventions that end up catapulting the Mongols at the time to take over the world was the invention of the stirrup very very interestingly uh, so these are just saddles that are essentially padded leather things that you put on the back of a horse and you can ride longer and it doesn't do as much damage to the horse and does do as much damage to you. And very, very interesting to see this in China so early, given domesticated horses were on the other side of the continent. Isn't Catherine the Great also buried with a horse saddle? That's true. <laughs> but it's the opposite. It's so the horse could ride her. <laughs> it's, it's, it's made for a human and it has a huge ass port. And a huge cock port for the horse. Oh, dear. Thank you, audience, for coming back for Science Faction's Patreon 123, where you learned all about where the servants of Machu Picchu came from, the three major risk factors of lower back pain, and how to relieve it by 39%, how you can beat multiple types of cancer with just four and a half minutes of exercise a day, and where the oldest known horseback riding saddle has been discovered. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction. 674. I got a perfect today. You robbed me of that. And yet we're we're holding off after the episode so I can I can read you a funny. Is that what you think you deserve, Bobby? After today? Do you think you deserve and the fans deserve a joke? You've been listening to Science Function. Wait, that's not right.